0: Welcome to the Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. Today's message was originally preached on Sunday, March 28th by Pastor Rod Heppel. This is the third message in our Easter 2021 sermon series entitled The Battle of the Wills. Check out SardisFellowship.com for more information about our church. Next Sunday is Easter Sunday, and we are allowed to gather in person indoors with 50 of us at a time. So wahoo! This is what we're going to do. Two worship services at 9 a.m. and 10 30. But there's a few things you need to know about this service. One, you need to sign up online through our website or you can call the church office. We will also need to socially distance and wear masks. And while our worship leader can sing without a mask, we can't sing at all. And I know that's a bummer, but while these restrictions make it maybe a little more difficult, we don't wanna lose sight of the joy of being able to meet together and worship Jesus, the risen Lord. So here's what you can expect for our service next Sunday. It will be a joyous, celebrative worship service. There'll be a live worship team and a live sermon. We will focus on the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord. We will also be participating in communion together. So sign up through the website and come on out and join us for worshiping our risen Lord next Sunday on Easter. Also, for families with little kids at 1130, you're still going to have your egg hunt out back behind the church building and Pastor Tim will be leading you there. So join him there at 1130 next Sunday with your kids. Before I begin my message today... I want to encourage you parents with younger age kids to take advantage of some of the resources that can really help you teach your kids about Jesus and the resurrection, especially with Easter coming. Uh, Now, next Sunday at the egg hunt, you will be given your Sardis Kids packet that you get each month. And in there are a lot of ideas and information about how you can teach your kids to follow Jesus. And you can track with the Sardis Kids online with all the questions they have. Now, by the way, for the adults who've never watched one of the Sardis Kids services, you can find that right underneath this main worship service on our website. Just click on the Sardis Kids. You should take a look at it, it's excellent. Parents with kids, one of the resources I want to bring, make you aware of, is that uh, we have something called Right Now Media. And Right Now Media, just for kids, is a video library of hundreds of different videos and teaching tools for kids. You can play it on almost any device. And it really is a a very good quality. And it's free. That's the best part. So take advantage of this great opportunity to tap into Right Now Media so that you can help teach your kids the amazing truth of who God is. You go to our website. You click on the Sardis Kids button under the ministries banner. You'll just scroll down a little bit. You'll see Right Now Media just for kids. Click on that link. Fill out the form and you're done. You have access to all of that. Also for you adults out there, you can click on the Right Now Media banner, and also sign up to see hundreds of Christian teaching videos, sermons, all that kind of stuff. It's free to you. It's a church. We pay for a monthly subscription, and I really hope you take advantage of that. All right, the commercial is now over. Here we go on Battle of the Wills. This is our third sermon in this Easter series as we look at Jesus' life as he's heading to the cross. Now, you might remember from last Sunday, we, look, we looked at Luke nine fifty one, where Jesus says that uh, he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And we looked at that steadfast determination of Jesus to be on mission, to fulfill scripture, to do the will of his father, which meant going to Jerusalem to die on the cross. And, and remember what our application was? That just as Jesus had to resolutely set his mind on Jerusalem, so we need to resolutely set our eyes on Jesus to abide in him, which means to obey him. Then we also talked about the fact that wherever we go, Jesus goes with us. And some of you told me how impacting that story was about the teenage girl in the skit that I was describing, where she didn't want Jesus to go with her to the party, and she tried to explain to Jesus that, you know, this really wasn't going to be the crowd that he would enjoy. And so in the end, she tells him to stay here. But the truth is, we know that Jesus doesn't stay at home, does he? He goes with us wherever we go. So that was last week's message. Now, today, again, we're looking at this message on battle of the wills. And I want us to focus on one phrase in particular that Jesus speaks to his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, most of you will be familiar with this. It's when, when Jesus had taken the disciples to the Mount of Olives to pray with him after they had shared that last supper together. Now, the Mount of Olives is located right beside Jerusalem. It's just a short walk down the hill of Jerusalem through the Kidron Valley up the other side to the Mount of Olives. It's about an hour's walk. Now, this place, the Mount of Olives, was covered with olive groves, like gardens of trees, and for that reason, the name. And it was here that Jesus became overwhelmed with sorrow, even to the point of death. It was now more than ever that he needed someone to stand with him. But when Jesus returned to find his disciples, they weren't praying. His closest friends, Peter, James, and John, they were sleeping. And it's in this context that he utters the words, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, you've probably heard that statement before, right? And it's not hard for us to really understand what it's describing about our human experience. We, we often feel a desire deep in our heart, uh, a good one. One where we're determined to follow through on it and then something happens. And we don't follow through. And that something Jesus calls here the flesh. Your spirit wants to take you here, but your flesh wants to take you there. We identify with this statement. We have a thousand different ways in which it gets worked out and applied in our lives, unfortunately. Now, maybe you've tried one of those keto diets, you know, where you're not going to eat any carbs or sugars and it's all protein. And you even take a spoonful of lard and put it in your coffee. We do all sorts of crazy things like this because we're on this diet and maybe it works, right? You're doing pretty good, let's say. And uh, then all of a sudden, someone drops off a batch of fresh made cinnamon rolls. And you come through the door of your house, and before you even see them, you smell them. And and you're already in trouble. You know, you start to weaken just a little bit. And then you come up and you see them on the counter, and they're covered with Philadelphia cream cheese icing. And they're oozing out melted cinnamon and brown sugar and butter. And then the Achilles heel of it all, you see those raisins poking through. Yes, those raisins. For some of us, that's the temptation. And for some of you, the temptation just went away. So let's just say that you see those cinnamon buns sitting there with no raisins in them and you begin to negotiate. You say to yourself, well, it was a gift. It would be rude of me to not try one. I'll only eat a half. And so you're off to the races eating the cinnamon buns. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Or maybe for you it's the snooze button on your alarm. You know, you're planning to get up just a few minutes early just so you can have some time with the Lord in the morning before your day begins. So the alarm goes off and in a semi-conscious, unconscious state, you boom, hit the snooze button. Nine minutes slips by as if it were mere seconds. It goes off a second time. Boom, you hit it again. So much for an early start to your day and you'll have to wait till lunch to read your Bible. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We get it, right? I mean, we know how this works in our lives every day. The Easter story is filled with all sorts of examples of these kinds of battles of the will or battle of the wills as in doing my will or doing god's will in that battle that goes on and we're going to see a lot of this battling going on in today's passage of scripture that we're going to look at now often on palm sunday we reflect on that part of the story in jesus journey to the cross but we're going to move it ahead um, a few days to thursday night because i want us just to focus today on what happened on Thursday, the night of the betrayal and the arrest. And it was here that we see this tremendous battle that ensues between that of Jesus' will and the will of the Father and that of the disciples' will and the will of Jesus. And I'm going to do something that's just a little bit different today. And I'm hoping this works because we're going to read a very long portion of the story of Jesus' life on that night Thursday night before he died and, and I think that it's good because it's a story right and, and woven into this story are all sorts of illustrations of the battles of the will that are going on the disciples with Jesus Judas with Jesus the religious leaders with Jesus Jesus with the father Peter with Jesus right so we're going to look at Matthew 26 41 let it be the lens as to how we see the story Jesus says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So that's the lens. In this story, we're going to see the battle between the spirit and the flesh. And and when we say spirit here, we're talking not about the Holy Spirit, but rather about the spirit of the human will. The desire of our heart to be faithful to Jesus and then our flesh, that natural bend that we have towards sin that seems to get in the way. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's talking about how our inner desire is to do right before God, but then it's overshadowed by this weakness of our flesh. With that in mind, let's look at our story. Matthew chapter 26. Then one of the 12, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him, Jesus, over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, My appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did just as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Lord, our rabbi. Jesus answered, You have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus told them, this very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man, arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Do what you came for, friend. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my Father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? In that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching, and you did not arrest me. But this has all taken place, that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance, right up to the courtyard of the high priest. He entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two came forward and declared, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. You have said so, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, from now on you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, he has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you have heard the blasphemy, what do you think? He is worthy of death, they answered. Then they spit in his face and struck him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, prophesy to us, Messiah, who hit you? Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway, where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Peter's spirit had been willing, but in the moment of truth, his flesh was weak. Don't we identify with this struggle? Have we not denied Christ by our actions just like Peter had with his words? Have there not been times when we've failed to stand up and be counted with Christ as we should? We're more concerned about being accepted by those around us than being identified with Jesus, our Lord. At school, the crowd doesn't talk about Jesus, that's not cool, and so you blend in, or worse, you join in. I remember what that's like. I was in school once too. One minute, you're at camp and you're throwing a stick on the campfire and you're telling everyone about your recommitment to Jesus. And then time passes, the fall comes, life goes back to normal. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We all have our stories. We know how this works. We we have these spiritual moments, uh, moments that we call mountaintop experiences, right? where we feel the love and the forgiveness and the grace and the closeness of Christ in our lives. And it's in those moments that we say along with Peter, I will never disown you. But then a moment of testing comes. The trials and temptations of this world and, and we're not watching and we're not praying. We've let our guard down and the flesh gives in. Old lies resurface in our head. Old habits are reset to default. Our minds are no longer stayed on Christ. We are no longer keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. We've bought the lie of the devil and we've given him territory in our life that he does not own. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We fight often with the wrong weapons. You know, Peter drew a sword when he should have prayed. We do that too. Peter, put your sword away. You can't fight spiritual battles with a sword. You, you need to pray. Second Corinthians ten five says, "We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ." That's prayer. That's how we fight. But like Peter, in our moment of testing, we deny Christ once, twice, three times, like him. For a moment of pleasure, for a pound of flesh, we throw it all away. How empty the words of Peter seem, and the other disciples, just hours after they had spoken them. Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the disciples said the same. D.A. Carson wrote in his commentary, spiritual eagerness is often accompanied by carnal weakness. So true. Watch and pray, Jesus said, so that you will not fall into temptation. Watch means to stand guard, in this case, to stay awake, to be a support to Jesus by praying with him. Prayer means to seek God, to know where our strength comes from when we're fighting a spiritual battle. That's what Jesus needed from his friends. But in that moment, the anguish that he felt was because he truly stood alone. The cross before him, it was the will of the Father. It was his to bear. So he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. At the close of this message, there are many points of application that could be made from this story. But I want us to see two this morning. One, that the key to overcoming the weakness of our flesh, according to this passage, is to watch and pray. To be aware of our enemy who schemes against us. And to call out to God for the strength that we need to fight against him. Ephesians 6:11 and 12 says put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms we know our enemy we fight a spiritual battle We see the physical reality. We see hatred and drunkenness and abuse and drug addiction and sexual sin, unwanted pregnancies, poverty and homelessness. But do we see the spiritual enemy behind it all? Let's not kid ourselves. We are at war. We're at war for our faith. We're at war for our marriages. We're at war for our children. We need to watch and pray. I want to clarify that The phrase, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, should not be seen as an excuse for sinning, as if to say, oh, well, it's my flesh. Like, what can I do? That's not the takeaway from this phrase. Uh, The phrase is an awareness of our human limitations and our absolute dependency upon God for his divine power in our lives. That's why he's given us the Holy Spirit who lives within us. The Holy Spirit guides us and instructs us in truth and righteousness. Righteousness. And our job is to listen to him and obey to keep in step with the spirit like we've talked about um, last week now the second point of application that i see here is that we want to model jesus not the disciples the disciples talked the talk but couldn't walk the walk or they couldn't walk the talk jesus is the one who prayed father not as i will but as you will that that's how he knew Not to pull out a sword to defend himself, but rather to allow himself to be led away, falsely tried, and ultimately killed as the will of the Father. As Isaiah 53 says, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Jesus knew the will of the Father, that he was to be our Passover lamb. His body was broken, his blood was shed, and the new covenant was established for the forgiveness of our sins. That is the beautiful picture and story of Jesus and the will of God. Now I don't know what situation in life you're facing right now, but I know that God knows and that he's speaking to you about it. He's speaking to you about a way that he has that he wants you to walk, but there's a battle that goes on inside of you between the spirit and the flesh. You need to choose today, you maybe need to choose in this moment to pray the prayer that Jesus prayed and say, not my will, but yours be done. I'd like to lead us in prayer. Our Father in heaven, you know each of us intimately. You know our makeup, you know our life story. You know us better than we know ourselves. And you know that there is this battle that rages on inside of us between our spirit and our flesh. And we say today that we need your empowering. We wanna watch and pray, but to declare your will be done we need you to empower us by the Holy Spirit, that we would say yes to you. Help us to take that right step this week in the right direction of following you obediently. Help us to set our eyes on Jesus Christ, who was willing to go to that cross and through his death on the cross, he conquered death, he conquered sin and the resurrection proved it. And he gives us that resurrection power that we might say your will be done in our lives. Make us as wise as serpents in the world we live, because the enemy is very shrewd, but make us innocent as doves, that we might live as people who are humble and gentle. We ask this in the one and only powerful name of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord and Savior, amen. Then you can discuss these questions. One, of all the various aspects of the story that we read today, which part really resonated with you? Two, can you think of a time in your life that you can share with others when this phrase, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, was true. Three, why do you think we lose our resolve to follow through? And four, what does watch and pray look like in your life? God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday, Easter Sunday. Make sure you sign up online. Thanks for listening to the Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. For more information on Sardis Fellowship, please check out sardisfellowship.com.